Wait, is this thing on? I'm Annie Bloge, founder and editor of The Bloge Report and AnnieBloge.com. Hey everyone, I'm Esther Lee Leach, the publisher and editor-in-chief of Cherry Creek Fashion Magazine. I'm Karen Nimmo, founder of Found Her. This is Lee Gordon, the owner and editor of The Scout Guide Denver. I'm Lorena Chen, managing partner of LWC Concepts. Welcome to the Wait, Is This Thing On? podcast. Welcome back to the second episode of Wait, Is This Thing On? We're so excited to be here. We're still trying to figure out how to do all this, but (laughs) we just wanted to open up a little chat. How is everybody doing? This weather is crazy. I know. Guys, we don't even have a fall. No, we don't. Danny and I did go on a hike. Like in the early September? No, no, no. No. Early October before the first snowfall. Yeah. And we got to see the beautiful. We almost Please. got run over just by like a million dogs. Turning, just as they were turning before nice. the first snow before came first snow. and turned it all brown. We went on the easy side of Sinitas because yes. I was not ready to drag you or myself this... up the hard part of Sinitas because <laughs> it takes a couple hours. I would have hours. done it. I didn't know. I've never been. I've so never I was like, it. we're hiking. The problem is, didn't know. somebody yeah. took me once and I didn't know what it was. And I think if I knew, I wouldn't have gone. But... I did it, and I was proud of myself. You, Lorena, you like the first time you were visiting out here. You did like a, the crazy hike. I did. I and did Golden Arch, Golden Arches, the Royal Arch, the Royal, Royal Arch. Arch. Yeah, we gotta get. There up to was Golden an arch. arch. Yeah, and I, it, on my way down, it had rained. This is my oh, no. first, or actually my second date with my now husband, and I <laughs> slipped on some rocks and ate oh shit gosh. in front of. A, bunch of people and I was bleeding all down <laughs> my side and I hopped up because he was just stunned like are you okay I'm like oh my god I just laughed it off but I was like dying of embarrassment because there were a group of people just like oh my god are you okay and I was like oh no I'm fine I'm fine I'm like uh meanwhile I'm bleeding the rest of the way down and oh, no then we ate it's not easy to get down either no yeah I wore like I don't even probably know fashion probably the wrong, yeah, wrong shoes. Not hiking shoes. Like, what was that? What was that hike? Oh, that was also another my first trip to Aspen, and I was ill prepared, and I had to go hiking in a leather oh, no. jacket, and I had rabbit fur gloves. <laughs> Very and nice. Had, yeah, Very and a nice. giant like scarf, and people were just like. Oh, what is cute. wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> I felt like the first year we moved here, I had the wrong footwear for every yes. occasion. Every yeah. every situation, I had the wrong footwear. And I all had all of it. I just didn't know what to wear when. Well, that's my thing right now. So we just had a whole bunch of snow. Um, I'm not sure when you guys will be listening to this. <laughs> it may be snowing by the time this comes out. It probably will. We just had a whole bunch of snow. And I have... Like a a pair of serious UGG boots that are like the rubber kind that aren't mm. gonna they're yeah. not the suede yes. kind that get stained mm. or whatever. Yeah. And that was fitting for the first day of snow when you're like walking through inches and inches of kind of like powdered snow. But then what what do you wear the next day? I know I have that like problem kind of too. you know, that's yeah. a little I too had, much. Yeah. But then 
But I still look fashionable. That's yeah, always my but, problem. But where are the fashionable? <laughs> I don't know. Boots. I'm wearing the wrong shoes today. I have like Stuart Weitzman leather shoes, which I should not be wearing today. But yeah, I you know you got to find their salt. I have a pair of. Um, I walked into A Line, and they convinced me to buy this pair of Rag and Bone shoes. Ooh. But they're like motorcycle boots, but they're rubber. And oh, so she, because I trekked nice. in there in like my big UGG boots and like yeah. big puffy, oh, yeah. and I had a hoodie on, and I'm pretty sure I hadn't showered in like three days. <laughs> and I think they were completely like disgusted with me in their <laughs> that store. Sticks her and she's off. like, you know, you should think about these kind of shoes because, oh, um, no. you know, it just it elevates your look a little bit. <laughs> and I, I, I will say, I will say. And, and so anyway, oh, I've got no. some shoes to elevate my look in the oh, middle of the gosh. winter with snow. Okay, <laughs> so. The, you say that. So I popped into A-Line because um, I had some clients that were doing like an after hours um, little event there. So I went in to go say hi. And I later had a gala to go to. So I was oh, dressed God. very formally. And um, she was like, I need to take a picture of you because this is how people should walk into A-Line and shop. <laughs> and I was probably because I Oh, my fashion boot sounds like. Perfect. I've been searching Idea. online for the last two days. Like good shoes, like for the snow that look good. That look good. You can show up to meetings and you look fashionable, but like, but they're not. Like, but you're not slipping on the ice every second. The ones I wore to your um, event that you had at Emily's house. Oh, the nineteen oh six. I'm trying to remember what what I, they're like the. Chloe Sorel collaboration. Ooh. Oh, I was just like, gonna say Sorel has come out but with a new line. What is there a little heel? With yeah, it? some of them. Okay, have oh. big but they have it's good rubber wedge, like, okay, ooh. big heels, and but they're rubber. They're insulated. They're good. Nice. So speaking of 1906, though, yes. um, I just saw that they raised 18 million dollars <gasps> in capital. That is oh, crazy. Yes. Yes, wow. it's phenomenal. And they are a Denver-based company. Peter, who owns 1906, came from Wall Street, from New York City. And they've just done, their branding is phenomenal. phenomenal. And they are like a leader yeah. in cannabis. Yeah. And um, I'm just so proud of their, a bunch of them I know are founder <coughs> members and also in the, They're Scout, in the Scout Guide. guide. And That's I learned, awesome. um, they're, yeah, definitely like leaders in the edible the low-dose edible area. Um, what I didn't realize is that they came out with the first aphrodisiac THC edible. Mm-hmm. And um, a fun fact that I have learned since working with them is, well, if, if anybody does know me, I am like a product <laughs> of D.A.R.E. So like, yes. say no Are to drugs. All? Yes. Yeah, say no to drugs. So like, all oh. of this is new to me. But um, <laughs> women are... Two times more likely to orgasm on cannabis. Oh. What? Yeah, that would so be the opposite. Love product. Product. Yeah. Yeah. Very good really, to know. You're not falling asleep. <laughs> I want to try that love product. Yeah, just so you know. So like, their products are really functional and incorporate other plant medicines mm. for each of their. Yeah, I actually got the love one, and it's got like How Chinese. It? Or it's good. I honestly really can't tell the difference sometimes between just the other stuff. <laughs> did only but, you take the love, or did Stuart take the love? Oh, too? No, they said I better only together. Oh, oh, better together. That's What's better to together? Love. Oh, 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 better in every love. way. Better together. Yes. Yeah, I need to tap into that since I'm in the. Oh yeah. Of getting preggers. Getting preggers. Mm-hmm. Like I'll take anything. 
Yeah, yeah. try it. Mm. We'll drop off. Well, you should try a little bit because I know you're very, you're like reticent to. Yeah, she get has PTSD. It, right? Yeah, PTSD. from your last I just experience. started using the <laughs> lotion again. Okay, like, yeah. Okay, this TBD. CBD, uh, yes. I think I think Lorena's maybe the only person who's ever had overdosed on CBD. <laughs> yeah, and not THC, just the CBD. But you have to give a backstory to that a little bit because you oh. just you finished a you like weren't feeling anything. So I you... was not feeling anything, and this was my third brand that I had tried <laughs> of the tincture. And then I, on a Saturday afternoon, before going on a walk in the park decided to finish the last like fourth or third of the bottle that's a lot especially and you had you're only supposed home. to do like two drops yeah. under your tongue yeah. you had to come home because i was told that you can't oh, no. od on it and you know it's yeah it's, you it's, can do as much as possible as mm -hmm. you want so i was like okay i'll just finish the rest there's not that much left so get to the park start mm -hmm. walking from the car after we parked and then I said to my husband Sam um I don't feel good I think we need to go back to the car and he's like why I said I don't know my my body feels really weird like I feel as if I'm gonna faint mm -hmm. or throw up I can't figure out which one it is and he's just like well maybe you need to walk it off so we tried <laughs> to go a little further and then I said, no, we really have to go back. I, I think I'm going to pass out. So then we go back to the car. I was basically reclined all the way back in the back seat. And he was just like, what is wrong with you? Did you tell back? him you drank a fourth of a bottle of <laughs> yeah, CBD? Yeah, I did. I, I, I said, I don't know if it's something I ate. And he, he was like, oh, it has to be the CBD. Like, that must, And I said, the there's no thing. way. There's no THC in it. And he's like, that's the only thing mm. it could be. So then... We stopped to get food on the way home at Merzik's and Mrs. Merzik, who was, who was there, was trying to talk to me and I like could not even answer her. I was oh, like, no. oh my gosh, please stop talking to me because I was so disoriented. Oh my God, Lorena. Yeah. And then I got, we got home and I laid on the couch. I couldn't even like look at my phone, watch TV, do nothing. And so Sam... Like said, okay, I'm going to, going to go play tennis. And then he came back and he's like, how are you feeling? I was like, where were you? And he's like, I was just playing tennis for the last two hours. I was like, I thought that was yesterday. He's like, oh, oh my no. God, what what is happening? I just felt numb basically for three hours. My body was tingling That's from so head crazy. to toe. You need to, yeah, not well, do that. Well, I just think there's so much <laughs> there's so much misinformation about <clears throat> cannabis. And this is a really interesting topic for me that I'm really trying to explore is this idea that it's legal here, right? Right. And, mm. But I think with women especially, there's so many health benefits, I think, mm -hmm. with CBD. But understanding THC and CBD and can you overdose on CBD? Can you overdose on, you know, all yeah. these questions that I think women are just afraid to ask. And there's not really safe places for women to go. I mean, I don't know, like walking in a dispensary is not a comfortable situation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we went, um, just really quick, funny story. So one day, like last year, our kids were out of town and my husband and I were like, we should do something wild and crazy. Like something we would never do if our kids were here. And we're like, 
let's go to a take a nap. <laughs> yeah, I know it's like crazy. <laughs> and so, so we decided to walk into a dispensary. Neither one of us had been in one. And I was like, okay, so just play it cool. Like, just really, like, <laughs> pretend like you know what you're doing. Like, play it cool. So, oh like, we walk in, and they check our ID, and we walk into the dispensary. And we're, like, kind of just standing there. And people are shopping and doing their own thing. And all of a sudden, my husband's like, so we have never been in a dispensary before. We're not sure what we're supposed to be doing. And everyone just, like, stops and looks at us. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Head down. We were talking about where yes. Lorena wore her Chloe and, Sh- and Sorel shoes was um, an education event held by oh, 1906. Mm, that to, was really good. Just to that kind of teach really people the 101 of cannabis, the different strains, the difference between THC and CBD. Yeah. And then, it, unfortunately, it was the first snow day that mm-hmm. we had. Mm-hmm. But um, so the weather was not on our side, but we were then going to take a field trip to a dispensary to like walk people in safely or like with a group of people and say like this is what you do it's Mm, not that scary Mm -hmm. um and i know we're excited to do another one so we'll probably be doing another one in the springtime but it really is for you know professional adult folks like us who just don't know what to say or what to do or like what to ask for you know those bud tenders do know a lot but Mm. they don't know what you're needing and like just to learn like what to say to them yeah. like I need something for anxiety or yeah. sleep like is that okay to say to them you yeah. know they should right. know what to help you with well it but, kind of segues into that article in the cut that they posted that I tied you in about Cali Sober about how it's like the about? new movement of women our age that like mm. alcohol gives you can't like, sleep at can't night can't sleep at mm. night hangovers gain weight all that kind of stuff and so people are looking at going to THC for mm. just that like moment at the end of the day to be like Ugh, you know instead of having a or half about they want to go out and party well, so they like, want to drink a ton mm, so yeah. they'll just eat some edibles well, yeah. and, this is, and this was another thing from the girls at 1906 were saying is we have so much pressure to change from one um, one aspect of our lives to the next like we're supposed to go 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 and then relax yeah. or we're yeah. supposed to be having our downtime and expected to turn it on and host and be up and Mm. what we tend to do is use alcohol to change our um position i can't think of the word yeah Yeah. so after a day when you go to relax you have a glass of wine right or a cocktail or if you're going out and to be excited you go to tequila Mm. or whatever it's all alcohol exactly (laughs) (laughs) so this Cali Sober idea and what 1906 does so well is they make these different experiences to help you transition into each of those different aspects yeah. of life yeah. to function better, whether you're supposed to sleep or be aroused. Yeah. I like that term. Oh, Cali Sober. Yeah. I love Cali Sober. She'd be Cali Sober. Bud tenders. I was like, Bud they are they called baristas? What is the name? Bud baristas. Bud tenders. All right. So let's wrap up the chat. And when we get back, we will be speaking to our guest, Jane, who will introduce at the end of this break. See you in a minute. Hey, welcome back. We are sitting with Jane first. Thank you so much, Jane, for coming and speaking with us today. I have been a huge fan of yours ever since I 
think someone even mentioned your name. To, I think Courtney Parker mentioned your name to me. I was like, I need to meet this girl. Okay, so <clears throat> you are currently the Senior Curatorial Assistant for the Department of Textile Art and Fashion at the Denver Art Museum. Very cool job. Um, <clears throat> and I think my fascination with museums and why I'm so interested in how it all work, works is because I don't know. This is going to date me. I watched a Muppet <laughs> special, I think, when I was like four. I remember Do this. Do you remember this? And Did they get locked in the mat. They get locked in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Yes. And ever since that day, I have been obsessed with like museums. I want to watch amazing. that movie again. We should find it. We should oh, get. Oh, we should we get should. stoned. <laughs> okay, so you graduated from CU Boulder with a BFA in painting and went on to get a master's degree at Asian, in Asian art history and Chinese language from the University of Hawaii. What got you interested in art and culture? Like, have you always been interested in that since you were a kid or how did you well, start? I think I can answer like your first four questions. <laughs> A short version of my long life story, but I think I have a really untraditional path that I think, um, you know, I've always been interested in art since I was young. I am a little bit of the black sheep in my family, so yeah. I didn't really have, you know, an artistic family to guide me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it was, um, you know, not not totally from the start knowing like what to do with that right just not knowing what else to do mm -hmm. <laughs> were you making art when you were young or I were was, you just interested like, inclined in art yeah to, like, okay you know, draw and and paint and then um you know i went to a small boarding school in carbondale and i became a snowboarder so that oh, wow. interested in that and then I think later on in life you know I was on this 10-year path in my undergrad degree so oh I took God. a really long time and, and I think you know I don't know how my parents tolerated it but I <laughs> I went to California for a couple of years I lived in Santa Cruz I then wanted to be a surfer yeah so, you know I was very motivated <laughs> um, sort of by a lifestyle versus an occupation yeah um, and then I ended up going to China I um, lived with um, a boyfriend, an ex-boyfriend now, for two years in a very remote part of China, oh, in a, wow. a Buddhist temple. Oh, so wow. it really, I think it really, that's when I kind of got influenced by um, textiles. And mm -hmm. really, you know, I'd always had this sort of closet ambition to be a fashion designer since I was young and, you know, attempted a couple times to go mm -hmm. to FIT. Yeah. But I don't really have the personality to be an artist or a fashion designer mm -hmm. because you have to be you know, aggressively, you know, a self-promoter, yeah. um, want to sell, yeah. <laughs> sell your, sell your product. So yeah. I think afterwards, um, you know, I came back to Boulder, I finished my degree, I had accumulated the most credit in studio <laughs> art, so it was a little bit by default that I got a degree in painting, and then I immediately went into grad school, and then again, you know, motivated by lifestyle choice, I went to Hawaii. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but at that point, I, I think I had, like, you know, finally grown up by 30, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I had, you know, I was we all? I true but I, I at least had picked a major by that point <laughs> and so I went to grad school to study Asian art history and then I, I wrote my thesis on um, sort of the textiles that I saw in China so, oh, that's, that, so cool. that's really what sort of you know started my academic career mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and which led me to working in museums which um, I started in Hawaii working 
at the Honolulu Museum of Art and uh, was there for about eight years. And, and so that really helped me to kind of know the landscape of, of museum work and curatorial yeah. work. Mm-hmm. How, did you, oh, like, how did you jump, like, how did you make the jump to museums? Like, I just wouldn't even know. I mean, obviously, I talk about how fascinated with yeah, museums, but like, museum. how do you like get into working at a museum? Yeah. That was my question. Is like, was it hard to get it? It seems like it's such a closed. There's community. so many limited jobs in there. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm. It's partially that, and I think I was there at a time. You know, I think when you go into art history, you really are told. You know, um, there's only one job in a right? museum as a curator. Yeah. And so yes. I think once you start to kind of understand the inner workings you realize there's many other options but I think that's always like the first you know impetus that that you're wanting to be a curator so when I went to grad school simultaneously I got an internship a paid internship which um, is more rare now yeah Um, and so I worked in the Asian art department for two years and I I got a lot of experience I got to go to Bhutan I mean I got really like um, thrown into the deep end Mm. just because of the nature of that museum they really um trusted their the the scholarship that the interns were capable of and I think yeah. that that's something that you know really launched my career which I don't think is as common anymore mm-hmm. um, because the entry is really difficult so um, I was fortunate in that I also worked um, while I was in university at another um, federally funded gallery the East West Center um, and it's more anthropological based yeah, and so cool. I just got really good training and really um, good luck with with mentorship and then I had to kind of you know it, it was during the time of the recession so mm-hmm. it was really hard to kind of keep a job mm-hmm. in the nonprofit sector so I jumped around quite a bit I was in um, a contemporary museum as well in Honolulu um, and I worked in collections management and registration, which is a little bit different from curatorial work. It's fascinating. Yeah. And so that was really, you know, enlightening. I think the last job that I had before I came back to Colorado was, again, working as a collections manager. And I worked in the office of the textile curator. So, again, it sort of reinforced um, sort of uh, my own fascination yeah. with textiles and fashion. And so then, you know, I just sort of applied to the job at the day I'm on a whim. Did you want to move back to Colorado? I had wanted to move back. I just had a child and, you know, Hawaii is is a paradise, but it's very (laughs) difficult to get off the island and you really do. I I believe island fever is a real thing. Yes, Yes. it is. So, I As you would know, she's from... Flew away from St. Lucia as fast as I could. (laughs) It's a wonderful place, but you do get a lot of island fever. What is island fever? It's like... where you're just stuck... I know it's, it's like, like a small place and everybody knows everybody, <laughs> so it just sort of becomes this weird community. It's like a small community. It's like a small yeah. town. Yeah. It's yeah. small. I think it, it's I the know opposite I, of Colorado. It's surrounded by water. But it's similar. Yeah. In the sense <laughs> that, like, I lived in ski towns like, growing up. I think it's similar. Like, mm. Hawaii is very similar to like Aspen or like a ski town in a weird way because yeah. you have all these people mm-hmm. who are basically living to recreate, right? Yeah, and exactly. So it's very much this idea of that. I think Honolulu is fascinating, though, because it has huge fashion industry. I mean, all mm. the luxury brands, anybody you can name who's in Paris is in Honolulu mm. because of all of the Asian tourists. Uh, so I think yeah. there's, like, a lot of facets to, to Honolulu that's interesting that that it hasn't necessarily migrated to, to Colorado <laughs> yet. Mm. So I think that was what was interesting coming here. And then I did, I got the job already working 
in, in the textile and fashion department, but with a very different um, curator who had a textile focus. Mm. So her background was in tapestry. She'd worked at the Met. She was very old school in the sense of, um, you know, I think that there's this, this mentality um, traditionally in museums that fashion is not art. Yeah. Right. And so that's obviously changed yes. in the past decade alone. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't mean to interrupt you because this is fascinating, but when you're saying, when you said you came here with, an, with a different um, director or curator, curator. Mm-hmm. so you have a new one, and then where did the Dior show? Who, who so was that under? So um, the woman who the I worked, step. yeah, <laughs> who I worked with initially, she left. She was based in Santa Fe, and so the textile department at at the dam has been in existence since the seventies, and so it's oh, gone nice. through multiple curators. Okay, mm-hmm. and so um, the department just got funded not too long before I came to have sort of more of a robust department, so mm. that I I have a position that's also endowed. So um, really, it's a department of two. So this previous curator left, and then they told me Florence was coming because Florence Mueller. Oh my gosh. amazing. Who had come because she had done um, an exhibition, yeah, that traveled the Yves Saint Laurent retrospective. And so our director sort of had the guts to ask her to come to Colorado permanently, Mm. and it took her about two years to sort of make the decision. Where was she living in New York? She was, she's always been in Paris. 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 She, um, she, her mentor, Started the um, sort of the costume yeah. collection at the at the decorative arts the museum. So she was there, sort of at that moment where it transitioned into where fashion was was sort of on the same playing field, mm-hmm. um, and and probably the hardest institution to prove that mm-hmm. and as part of the Louvre. So then she worked um, there for a while in the 80s and then left and had worked independently for a lot of, um, of luxury companies. So mm-hmm. YSL and then um, Dior. Mm-hmm. And so um, when she came, it was sort of under the auspice that she would do one of these blockbusters, which I think yeah. the Met, you know, in the U.S. has made. Oh, the whole thing. thing. Yes. Yeah. So what I, I think was most interesting about Florence is, yeah, she obviously brought this whole new caliber mm. um, of the style of exhibition from the set design to, you know, just working with um, a couture company, which is, you know... Famously private, right? Famously mm. private, which I think is really interesting in how exhibitions are changing that mm-hmm. and simultaneous to, you know, a lot of their marketing um, initiatives are really about now being transparent and showing sort of the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And so um, museum exhibitions for a lot of these brands is becoming another form of communication. Yeah. Kind of, you know, I shouldn't say this because it's sort of, yeah. you know, mm. counter to what um, a museum would say. They don't want to say, like, Dior is using this as a marketing tool. <laughs> but, 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 I mean, there is that underlying, I think, um, sort of concurrent, you know, hmm. strategy for museums to get more people in the door, mm-hmm. as well as for, you know, these these luxury brands to get 
you know, uh, have a platform to be able to expose more about themselves. Yeah. Well, and I think brands today, too, as a way of driving like loyalty to their brand and differentiating, mm-hmm. it's so much more about the story and it's about the why and it's about the ethos of the company. Mm-hmm. And what a great way through museum exhibitions mm-hmm. to actually display that and connect people to the values in the community and what they stand for to kind of create the loyalty and differentiate in the space. So I think it totally makes sense, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's also nice to be able to see things up close, you know, that you may not have access to otherwise. And I remember like when I would go, when I was at Parsons, we were allowed to go behind the scenes in the costume department and they would, we'd be working on swimsuits. They would have all the swimsuits laid out Mm -hmm. for the ages that you can like go through and look at all the swimsuits in detail before you went and sketched and drew them. And I remember just thinking like how amazing it was that I feel like fashion is an accessible art form too, a little bit. Like you see a beautiful painting or you see a really challenging piece of modern art sometimes. And it's like, like I remember going to see my first um, pop Jackson Pollock and being like, I could do that. You know, you just slap some paint on the wall. I can do that. But you don't understand like the breakthrough of the art form and the and the canvas and how he broke through that but like fashion is so relatable and you see like an outfit that Audrey Hepburn wore and Mm -hmm. it's like oh that's so pretty you can see how it's made better you you use more senses yeah so I deal with the scout guide we're a print publication and you know there's a lot of talk right now with digital versus print and one of the things about print is you get to see it you mm-hmm. get to touch it you get to smell, smell it, it. Oh, yeah. the smell digital is so only good. hearing and seeing and with fashion you mm. get to wear it which you can't do with a canvas right. you can't do you know with a, a another piece of art so mm. it is it's adding to the senses of 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 appreciating mm-hmm. it too. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think about like the fashion industry in Denver, like you and Florence? Are you sort of seeing the growth or are you just like, I need to get back to Hawaii and Paris now? <laughs> like what's happening now? I think that, you know, I think that Dior really did bring out, you know, all the fashionistas. And I think, mm. you know, having Florence here from Paris, I initially was very nervous. Yes. <laughs> what am I going to do with this woman? <laughs> And it's really been a joy. I mean, initially, I was definitely, like, fearing a Devil Wears Prada situation. And I think that, like, you know, now we're very close. And I think going through this sort of adventure, I was raised in Colorado, but very new to Denver and and very new to this new Denver. And so we've been sort of exploring together. And I think looking at Denver through her eyes is really fascinating because it legitimizes... I think all these cities outside of New York and Paris and London, because one, Denver has really no real identity yet, and Mm. I think that that's in its favor, because I think even bringing people from from Dior, from New York during the run of of Dior, Mm They have zero expectation. Yes. So in a way, it's like they always have a pleasant surprise. Mm. Yeah. And I think that you know, Florence always says, you know, on the street, I don't, I don't see, you know, any difference between, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes, what you see now in in Paris or London. I oh, think wow. that people here do, you know, there's so many transplants mm-hmm. that you yeah, can't exactly. really define it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not like That's a cow town as people yeah. say. True. Well, and it's interesting because this has come up a lot about the Denver identity in conversations that I've had where people have people who haven't grown up here come to visit for one reason or another Mm. in the summer and the winter to ski and wherever they are from I'm from Nebraska 
It's like, when I get older, my dream is <laughs> the weather, the outdoor activities or whatever. And so people were always coming and Denver never needed to do anything cool to attract people like the music scene in Nashville or, mm-hmm. or in Austin or the coffee scene. Like there was never something about Denver mm. that was like, I'm going to do mm-hmm. this. So I need to go to Denver to do it. People just came because of the weather lifestyle. and the accessibility and the lifestyle. Where now this new Denver, I do feel like people are caring about the space that they're creating yes. and and all of that. So we don't quite have this identity, but it will be interesting to see what it is, or it will be kind of everything. You know, mm-hmm. the food scene was really big before I left and went to California. I came back to like a really big art scene mm. and I've heard there's a lot of fashion programs here, but there's just not a lot of places for the fashion graduates to, to go. work. That's and the so thing. then they all leave yeah. and which is changing, um, which is changing. changing. And so I feel like there's opportunity for Denver to have that identity. Mm. And I think fashion is going to be part of it. Definitely. For well, sure. I'm hope I'm banking on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like my, one of my good friends, Irene came to visit because she wanted to go to the outdoor retail show mm. she is the private um she is in charge of like all the private brands for basically Saks and hudson bay so she nice. manages like 12 collections or something like that and various teams and she was saying that the outdoor retail show is really interesting to her because all of this crossover between the outdoor space mm. and um, fashion. regular fashion. Yeah. She was in Paris and she said everybody was wearing hiking boots. And mm-hmm. I was, she was like, Colorado. Cowboy boots. Is yeah. like, yeah. She's, all she's wearing is oh wearing cowboy gosh. boots. Oh, wow. And then she went to the Dior exhibit and was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I wish we had this in New York. And I'm yes. like, yay. <laughs> and then she was like, this is an amazing place. Maybe I should go. And then she went up and looked at CU Boulder for her son who's going oh. to Wow. college and he visited last weekend so it's like there's all this ripple effect mm. to all of this happening mm. which is really fascinating because it's going to bring in a brand new generation of well, people well and i wonder the influence it will have on fashion because i really think denver is not a vanity market mm-hmm. it like you're you know like la is i consider that a vanity exactly, market exactly. versus Denver, and, but yet there's people who care about fashion mm. and who use it as a form of expression. Mm. And so I'm just curious, like, it's going to be interesting, the impact, and maybe we're already seeing it with the hiking boots and yeah. the puffies and all that, yeah. you know, um, but it's just, it'll be interesting to see that. Or have you seen anything well, about I, I think it's fashion like, in Denver? It's sort of, again, it has to sort of pave its own path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I do, I think, I totally agree with you, and I think that there is, um, a lack of resources if you'll you know we yeah, only have yeah. one luxury brand present Hermes. <laughs> yeah so I think that you know mm. people are like go to Aspen so I think yeah. that that's what's challenging is just being the access yeah. so I think that's one thing but I also I, I I recently did a panel on sustainable fashion and I kind of did a deep dive and and what's going on there and I think that Colorado is sort of prime to latch on to more of that because there is such a kind of environmental um, awareness here more than others. So I think that to me, and obviously the outdoor retail market is already Mm. established so strongly. So I do, I feel like there's other contributions that, that Denver can make that's not necessarily within the luxury realm. Yeah. Right. Mm. Like you said, and I think, you know, women always say, there's not enough events to wear, you know, to, to yeah. justify yes. making these purchases. And so yeah. I think 
Um, you know, that is something that, you know, Florence and I feel pressure about, you know, creating these events, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, shop and wear it. I have this dress, you yeah, have to yeah. create an event for yeah, me exactly. so I can wear it. Yeah, That's you know, so who is the next designer retrospective, mm, so I yeah. can like, prepare, you know, we had a woman who um, sponsored the Dior exhibition in part, and she committed herself to wearing Dior the whole entire oh, year. Oh, wow. I mean, it was phenomenal. Wow. And so on that level, closet. It's, it's, you should do. You know, yeah. it exists. Oh, and my so that's God. that's what I think is so fascinating, just just sort of the range that's, mm. that's happening now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and just, I think, everybody, you know, it doesn't really matter where you are anymore. Yeah, yeah you, exactly. You really... Um, through social media and, and yeah, um, let's see, Instagram is globalized trends. Well, Annie, mm-hmm. we were saying we felt like we all knew each other before we met in person because <laughs> of Instagram. Yeah, mm-hmm. how did sure. you? You mentioned that you went out and were kind of explored Denver with Florence about just fashion and what Denver. Tell me, how do you go? How does one go about exploring and where do you Denver? Go? Yeah, like where did you go? What did you do? How did you research yeah. and explore? I think initially, um, you know, we really hit the ground running doing exhibitions, so we have to do um, uh, the majority of the fashion collection is is very um, it's very spotty. Mm-hmm. So basically, we have to um, borrow whatever mm-hmm. we we really try to synthesize for an exhibition. So one, I think we were trying to look out, you know, to see who sort of the collectors are mm-hmm. um, in in Denver. So for Shockwave, the first exhibition that we worked on, which was um, amazing. By we the way. reached out to Kathy Cobell, who was an amazing, yes. she's an amazing resource. She showed me photos of how she'd gone to, you know, Yoji Yamamoto shows back in the day, and yeah. just really wow. amazing history again that exists in Denver, and and really radical for her to be selling, mm, yeah. you know, yeah. these Japanese um, designers who are based in Paris in, in the late '80s and early '90s. So you know, again, educating ourselves yeah. through, um, you know, fashion local fashionistas. Mm. Um, we went to the Fashion Group International just to kind of see and hear what sort of industry used to exist and then yeah. now what's here yeah. now and I think we're still obviously exploring mm-hmm. you know talking yeah. to you all is really educational for me and, yeah and I think you know that's what's interesting that that there is this sort of revival because mm. our collection um was was really is really based on donations from the ladies quote-unquote of Denver <laughs> yes. who, who in the 70s you know six from the 50s through the seventies, were extremely fashionable, mm-hmm. and then donated their wardrobes. And so, oh. I think that again, it's really interesting. And, and we tease Florence because she could really be like the head of the tourism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. for Denver because she's gotten so into the history. I mean, even like um, the the Central City Opera, they used yes. to stage mm-hmm. fashion yes. shows, and oh, wow. brought major designers. So I think that that that's what's really fun about mm. kind of looking at historically what what existed and then you know trying to kind of jump in and see um as much as we can but actually there's so much going on which is why we need to know and i have to <laughs> shout out i have to shout out my part of denver cherry creek yeah we love luxury over there but it's all about relaxed luxury and yeah. nobody's like overly flashy like something like the vanity market yeah. in la right. but people love luxury brands here mm-hmm. yeah, yeah totally yeah. totally um so what are you working on now? Can yes. you tell us? Also, we're all getting tickets for the gala, the Culture House Gala, right? In January. Yes, we Talking are. about events to wear pretty dresses too. 
That was super fun last year. The Dior one was insane. The people watching alone <laughs> was amazing. Yeah. I, I, think, <laughs> I think that is. Again, it's just like a, always a pleasant the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we are a gallery uh, that will reopen when the Gio Ponte building, which has been oh, renovated, yeah. um, being um, remodeled on the interior, uh, it will open in phases mm. uh, starting next year. So right around cool. the corner. Yeah. So our permanent gallery is on the sixth floor and it will open in September. So oh. Florence and I are actually working on three exhibitions at once. Wow. Um, because of with textile art, mm. you actually can't keep it on display really generally over six months, six months to a year. Because the light sensitivity. The light sensitivity. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we look at our own closets, mm. dust, so yeah. you know. So uh, we we have to constantly rotate. So this is kind of a new challenge um, because I think France's ambition is ambition. You know, really, um, she's really set the bar high yeah. for us. So um, I think to be able to rotate these temporary exhibitions. Yeah. Um, but one thing I'll say is I think what we were all sort of talking about is I think the designers are obviously extremely fascinating and going to the Dior archive and being able to look oh through God. Galliano's whole like tour, oh. um, you know, career is, was an unbelievable highlight. Um, but also Talk about works of art. I mean, yeah, it's really, I mean, mind blowing, but I think that on the other, on the other side of that is that we're trying to really focus on the client and the woman who wore, mm. you know, the dress. And so I think that that to me is really interesting, the kind of sociological aspect of like who, who you know, it takes two, right? Like yeah. the story. You also need a client. Yeah. And so I think um, the first exhibition, which we can't, hasn't been announced yet, so I can't say that. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's going to focus on the, the wardrobe of a prominent Women so, from Hollywood, so it's oh, really. Wow. Cool. I think it's really fun to kind of look at the reverse and look at designers through the lens yes. of, the of the buyer, yeah. the client. Yeah. And yeah. so, because I know um, so many people when I walked, and I went to the Dior exhibit like eight mm-hmm. times or something like that. I always be like, I'm here, Jane, again. <laughs> And I we was walking through with my kids and they were both they were all like, Who would wear this? Where would yeah. you wear this? And I was yeah. like, Well, you can't sit. You have to sit down the whole time and everyone's waists were small. That was the most fascinating. I just know, it's just the, the shapes wow. of everybody you know, the everyone's waist. I know, it was great. Um, but yeah, the idea I love that I love the concept of taking it back to the person wearing the clothes too, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of for for I know a lot of people were interested in like who was wearing that, mm-hmm. where were they going, well, the what story. was happening. Yeah. yeah, you know which the museum does add the yeah. story behind exactly. it all, which is yeah. really exactly. an additional and I piece think of it. That's that's why the ladies in Dior section I think was so popular yeah. because you could you could relate it. You understood, you know, um, Rihanna from Rihanna to yeah. you know the late Rihanna. Like it's really interesting oh, to see. My favorite <laughs> part of that one. was I brought at three little girls and I took them to the. Um, exhibit and at the end in that last room I said pick out your favorite dress mm, which yes. is your favorite mm-hmm. and I took a picture with them in their favorite um, as close as they could get to their favorite but it was interesting <laughs> I know <laughs> Don't I a photo. they were like flash? the dress you know uh, I washed their hands don't worry uh, but uh, 
But I thought it was interesting because they all picked a different dress. Mm. And I took a picture because I'm like, as they grow older, it'll be interesting to see if their style and the way that they see things or are attracted to certain things are reflected in the dresses that they picked and why they picked them because they're all so different. Mm -hmm. But it it was really something um, so how just, you know, one thing I'm really curious about in working on the Dior exhibit, and I know it's past, but like, well, how was your experience working on that? Was it? Yeah. Was it, what was it like? I mean, did you live in Paris for like months? Oh my gosh. Um, no, I wish I had, but I did, <laughs> I did get to go, I think maybe a half dozen times oh, um, wow. in the span of two years. So what's really fascinating is that, um, you know, there was just this whole, I mean, sort of, uh, I feel like it was the year of Dior, which lasted yeah. two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So initially, France had um, created a, sort of the retrospective in her former museum at the Art Deco. And so there was the 70th anniversary of, of Dior's mm-hmm. you know, reign. And so I think Dior is really fascinating. And what I learned from it is that he, you know, he really launched sort of the prototype for a luxury company. Mm-hmm. So he really had the foresight to make the blueprint of how how it was about to make a modern day uh, luxury company. And so um, I think in the late 80s when uh, Bernard Arnault took yes. over Dior, um, they had a retrospective in the museum, in the same museum in the Art Deco, um, and they had a retrospective mm. just on Christian Dior's 10-year career. So, oh. you know, he was there for such a short time, yeah. and tragically, he died of a heart attack. So um, they had, at that time, I think in the late 80s, really had had this idea, this concept of making an archive. And so now, I think, as we're talking about these museum exhibitions, that that's really, again, Dior is such... Um, a leader in the sense of how to build an archive yeah and and the importance not only for the public but also for um you know internal r&d so all yeah. of the, the designers since galliano on were able to look in the archives yeah. and now they're actively you know buying back yes. um you know dresses and you know someone has a job which is really my dream job of just <laughs> shopping for you online and saying that Collecting for the archives, for wow. Own, which is equivalent wow. to a museum. I yeah. mean, their archive is like, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's museum it's of actually, Dior. Yeah, yeah, it's actually um, very much more luxurious than <laughs> our, our storage um, is. But I think then they have their um, their archive is an undisclosed location in the middle mm. of France. And so I think that was the highlight, going there repeatedly oh, wow. and being able to just test the dresses on mannequins. And again, you know... Galliano's were, um, oh, you know, some of them great, are in crates right. the size of your dining room. <laughs> um, and, you know, could took like 10, 10 women to just try to hoist wow. onto a mannequin. So it gave me a lot of respect for the models who mm. were wearing, wearing yes. you know, I mean, things he made out of like inflatable raft material oh, or oh um, he made a leather um, coat dress that was mm. just impossibly heavy. And... I, I think that that's what was really the highlight and just to see the inner workings of of Dior from you know from the marketing mm. then to the to the archive to then um, Dior perfume has their own archive they're sort of oh, separate wow. um, Dior also has a fine art um, collection so some of the photographs were from their collection so there's mm. all of these 
facets um, yeah. of, of Dior. And so that was really interesting to sort of be able to get in there and, and um, understand. I remember what a universe it is. Yeah, I remember my friend Rachel Lafort, who helped yes. set up mm-hmm. after, you, after it started, said she almost broke out into tears when somebody <laughs> pulled out the new look with the jacket. And she oh was my like, gosh. oh my God, there it is. Like this iconic yeah. thing mm-hmm. that defined like a decade, basically, mm-hmm. of fashion, if not longer. Longer, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. she was like, I'm, whole, I'm touching it, the real one. I was just like, oh my God, that's so cool. Well, I think also that another highlight was working with Stephen Jones, who is oh, a famous milliner, and he, I think, um, you know, he humanized it a lot in a lot of ways because he's so down to earth mm. and he's working with all these greats. You know, he just did an amazing collection with Mark Jacobs. Like, he's just this surreal character who is just um, so down to earth. You know. Like goes to karaoke with us, you know. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember after, after a recording of after that. the gala. You know, we went. We went. The after party. That we, is well, crazy. I think it was oh, the God. night before we brought him to milk. I don't know. Yeah. Like, club. Like you know, it was snowing. Of course, so we're like yeah. shuffling oh down the street. And I was like, oh no, I lost Steven. And then at two in the morning, he pops back up, and I was like, oh, there you are. Like, and he's just like, I'm like, I don't even know why I'm like worried about oh, this veteran no. of like club culture, right. you know? Fashion. Like, oh, that's so yeah. Royalty. So I think that those kind of experiences are are again what humanizes yeah. sort of the, this lofty, you know, this sort of gold standard. Of oh my luxury. gosh. Well, for me, I mean. I'm sitting here at a table with you. That's like, t- like it. You're you're humanizing it for me, you know. So like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, um, I'm sure we could talk to you for days about all of this, but I think we need to kind of start wrapping it up. But we're gonna take a quick break, mm-hmm. and when we come back, um, let's talk about what we all have going on, and then where people can find Jane and how yes. they can start following along and. Yes. Following you and hearing um, what's next at the museum. Hey guys, we're back from break. So I have a last question for you. (laughs) Like, who's your favorite designer? Who's inspiring you? Who's exciting you? Because in Denver, you sort of forget what else is going on (laughs) around the world sometimes. So give us news from the outside world. (laughs) (laughs) Who's exciting you? I mean, I think that's what's interesting. Florence and I have been trying to plan, you know, a next designer show. And we really went through the Rolodex and Mm. to see, you know, I think to to kind of hit um, people who are familiar and yet, you know, someone who's edgy. I am a minimalist, so Mm. my style is different than maybe what is, you know, good for an exhibition. Um, I'm really... Um, appreciate Gabriella Hurst at the moment. Nice. I think she her work is gorgeous. Um, her handbags, I would take one in every color. <laughs> yes. um, but no, I think she's, I have a friend who, who's um, working with her in New York and it's really interesting just because I think she's, you know, she does have that environmental <coughs> um, sort of slant in a very luxury way. I think she was touted in Vogue as yeah. being, uh, you know, having the least carbon footprint during oh, wow. Fashion Week because she didn't fly any models in from Paris, which is ironic mm. that that's, you know, that that's notable, <laughs> but, you know, uh, we got to start somewhere. Yes. Um, and, and I don't know, she's just like, you know, us- using technology in, in ways. Um, my friend was telling me she's lining some of her pants with... Um, like aloe infused fabrics and I mean just like this idea of luxury that yeah that I feel like it it is exactly that is like 
is bringing it to a new level. Yeah, so, very cool. good. Very good. Okay, so Jane, where can people find you? Mm-hmm. Where and can we stalk you? Where can, where can people stalk you? Um, what events can they find you at? And where online? And then um, everybody else, what do we have going on over the next few weeks? So take it away, Jane. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, I, I use Instagram as a diary, so it's really, you know, a lot of kid pics. Um, <laughs> I think. But it's um, at pseudo Jane, so S U D O J A N E. I think it was supposed to be like pseudo name. <laughs> um, anyway, and then uh, Florence and I are really busy working for uh, our next exhibition, which will open in September of 2020. Ooh, so, can't wow. wait. Hopefully, it will be announced soon. Um, and yeah, I'm in, at the Denver Art Museum, so come by. We have this this unknown artist named Monet. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows who it is. So, yeah, stop by and. and yeah, hit me up anytime. I was just written up in the New York Times. It was. Wow. Yeah. So it was the exhibit at the MCA. So cool. Yeah. Oh my god. Denver's on the map. I know. <laughs> you so Esther, you're wrapping up another Oh my god, I'm wrapping up yet right another now. issue and I'm not stressed at all. <laughs> it's launching tomorrow. And it's all about what to wear now. That's my November Ooh. issue, whenever you're okay. listening. Because now you never know like what the hell do you wear in this transitional period? Is it fall? Is it I winter? Talked about the boots. I know yeah, what is yeah. it? So I'm giving you advice on what to wear now. We have a beautiful cover. Annie wrote the cover story as usual, so I'm really excited about it. I'm also obsessed yeah. with well, it's gonna be out by the time this comes I know. out, but I'm obsessed with the cover cover star. Yeah, who's she's the cover amazing. star? Can we not say it's Granty. So she's this fashion oh, influencer based in Denver. But she has like a big following in New York among Annie's yeah. New York friends. What's her name? Ranty. Ranty. Oh, yes. And she's just a really fashionable minimalist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very clean. Black, oh, white, yeah. red colors. Mm-hmm. And I love her style. So nice. she's going to be on the cover showing us what she's wearing now. Awesome. So, cool. yeah. What are you doing, Annie? Um, well, I'm rebranding. I think I talked about that last time, but it's happening. I'm having a battle with Squarespace as we speak. Um, I started my site four years ago and things have changed a lot in technology since I did that. So I'm trying to learn how to code and all that fun stuff. (laughs) We do it all. Wait, is this thing on? Is my life at the computer right now? So that's fun. And you know. All the other stuff, all life stuff, kid stuff, whatever, fun yeah. stuff. Um, so this is Karen. Uh, what do I got? I got Founder has a holiday market coming up, and I'm really excited about it because I just love the membership that we're building, and I'm really cognizant of like getting the artists and makers and entrepreneurs and kind of balancing that all out. So we have a market at the Riveter showcasing about 20 of our founder members, everything from CBD to painting to, um, we have a founder member who, Eva's energy, so she does yeah. health health um, bites, energy bites, oh, nice. but it's like HelloFresh, um, mm-hmm. except for it's for the pantry. So <sighs> it's like these make it your own kits for the pantry. So we're gonna be making energy bites, and then um, Kara, who does the Conscious Merchant, um, she's going to be teaching people how to create your own wrapping papers, so not nice. to, to reduce waste from yeah. buying wrapping papers. So we're going to have a lot of experiences and a lot cool. of fun shopping and whatnot at the market. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I am currently head down in scouting for my next guide, which I will probably still be doing by the time this launches. So it's a few months in the process. <laughs> um, also doing our creative meetings and photo shoots, which have started to be, which have started, which are really fun. And it's fun kind of seeing the evolution of members' photos evolve oh, and everything. Yeah. So I'm excited about nice. that. Um, I've been tossing around the idea of doing like a boulder bound section where I highlight some boulder businesses yes. since we don't have a guide up there but Jane would you know, be good bring, for that too like bring in because Denver and Boulder we go yeah. up there we go up there to hike they come exactly. down here to read like there's so much crossover that mm. it would be fun to be like hit up these like awesome stores up there so thinking about that um, but an event that we have going on with the scout guide is we are teaming up with one of our members CCRM um, for a fertility and fashion event on November 21st um, at Soul Lingerie. And we'll be bringing in Dr. Barton to, um, nice. again, like another education event, but like to ask and get your questions answered on all things yeah. fertility. So looking forward to that. That's exciting. And just to plug um, a fabulous small business, actually based in Boulder, um, is Wildcraft Kitchens. Uh, they do amazing... Um, charcuterie boards. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're amazing. And Someone we, just told me about that. I probably did. We no, did that for it wasn't the you. It was somebody else. <laughs> it was amazing. We did it for the amazing. 1906 event, and then oh, I told CCRM um, about it, and yeah. I think they'll be bringing them into that oh, event, yeah, too. Oh, so great. they're really fabulous. Like so. works of art. They're yes. Really, oh, they yeah. are. Another, so yeah. More art. Fas food fashion. Yeah. Yeah, Very exactly. Nice. I bet come really good at cheese plates with founder. You are doing um, and you someone asked me the way I heard about it is someone asked me like, "Oh, where'd you get that cheese board?" And I'm like, "Well, I actually need it." <laughs> uh, and they're like, "Have you heard of Wildcraft?" Mm. And that's amazing. how I heard about yeah. them. Tori. Wow. Anyway, my stuff is definitely not like Wildcraft. Let's she just should put it teach classes. Oh yeah, she should do a founder of it to teach people how to make cheese. Oh yeah, Lorena, what's going on? Your turn. Um, so what do I have going on? Um, some travel for November, December, and January. Um, are you going to Asia? Is that what you said? Where are you going earlier? I'm going to Asia in January, probably Taiwan and Hong Kong. Oh, nice. For fun or for work? fun? Wow. For fun Amazing. and fashion. For fun and fashion. <laughs> and food. And food. Amazing. Um, yeah, the food is unreal. I gained like 30 pounds when I lived in Asia. <laughs> but um, I would eat dinner after dinner. Oh, my God. <laughs> but um, so travel coming up. I have a new client starting next week. Week, modern Yay. IV. Yay. Yay. Serve wines. Um, if she's the scout guide, she's know. great. Oh, she's yeah. she, she's yeah. in okay. the November issue of the magazine. Amazing. <laughs> also interviewed by me. Oh my god. She is not she's a founder lovely. member, but they have um, done some tastings at founder events, and we would love to have them as a founder mm. member. <laughs> on that. And then um, also a plug, La Bill Bouquet just launch their champagne Saturday. Yeah. I made reservations in November. Okay. Yeah. Every Saturday from 12 to 4.30. Mm. DJ and oh rotating God. champagne partner. So definitely check it out. We'll be there. Out. November 16th. We'll Fun. Be there. Yeah. Fun. Oh, that's when you reset. Yeah. Okay, great. Nice. Cool. Well, thanks for hanging out with us on Wait, Is This Thing On podcast. Jane, thanks again for making time to record with us and we will be back in your podcast list very soon.
Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.